my series uh, on what on earth is going on was interrupted for the past couple weeks. Uh, one week we had our 80th anniversary, and uh, the following week we had a special speaker in from the Gideons. So uh, we've been interrupted by a couple weeks, so I don't want to prolong this and pull it out any longer than necessary. Lord willing, I'll look starting next week on the book of Zechariah. But for tonight, I'd like to finish up uh, what on earth is going on. Uh, we've all been exposed to some very unique days, some very unique times, obviously, in the days in which we live. I think of the presidential elections when you think about what went on, uh, just unprecedented in the days that we have been alive. In, in actually, in American history, this an unprecedented time. Uh, what, what was the reaction? What are the reactions? Well, it's a fleshly reaction. Everything that went on was just simply a fleshly reaction to uh, the flesh that's out there. Uh, all I can think of is, is the people who uh, rejected the election of, of uh, would-be President Trump. Um, Trump uh, they, they were afraid, so what did they do? They went around smashing windows and cars. Okay, so now I have two fears. One, what he's going to do, and two of them who smash windows and cars. Uh, you look around you and you see uh, everything is fleshly, everything is reactionary. Um, God's word tells us when we're to act upon his word, not to react to society. And so we all need to be very calm about what's going on in the world. Why? Because our God is sovereign. Our God is in control. What's going on in the world? What on earth is going on? Well, what on earth is going on is Satan is working. And we saw that through what has happened in the Old Testament. The, the, the conflict of the ages took place when uh, uh, the woman would produce a seed that would crush the head of the devil. And the devil now has been given dominion in this world. And so everything we see that goes on is satanic darkness. God interfering and God intervening in the lives of men, bringing some to Christ, but for the most part, uh, the world sits in darkness. And we, we saw that through several passages of Scripture. By one man's uh, sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. And we, we kind of filtered around through that a little bit together. Uh, right now, as men enter this world, they enter a world in darkness, and they enter a dark world. In sin did my mother conceive me. When we come into this world, we enter into a world of darkness, and we are in darkness ourselves until the light of the glorious gospel. By the way, I believe everyone has opportunity to believe. Every single soul has an opportunity to believe. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Everyone has an opportunity to believe, but how many believe? Well, the Lord Jesus told us, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many, many go that way. Narrow is the way that leads to life eternal, and few there be that find it. So we, we, we are in a satanically blinded world, and I think we need to face that, don't we? So when, we, when problems come upon us, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers against the rules of darkness of this present world. The battle is satanic. And it's, it's we're in the battle, but the battle is between the Lord and his, uh, and his uh, enemy, if you would, the devil himself. 
And we're going to see that in, the, in just a few moments, we want to follow this through. The world has become satanically blinded, but it appears, Paul gives a, sheds light on this, it's a new type of blindness in that it's a religious blindness. Paul said, don't be deceived, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It's no great thing if his ministers be transformed into the ministers of righteousness. They, they are uh, using men, using women, using uh, the religion of the world to confuse people. And so that you know it, how I know it, you look around you and you say, what, what do some people believe? They believe all kinds of crazy, crazy things. For example, you could earn your salvation. They don't recognize you can't earn it, you didn't deserve it. But that's what the world promotes, a works-oriented theology. Every nation of the world is Im embedded and embraces a works-centered theology. One, one of the uh, religions that you and I, it, it's on the screen all the time, Islam. It's a works-centered relationship, right? Radical Islam believes that you, can, you need to kill someone. If you, killed a, if you kill a Jew, that gets you higher on the religious plane. There's all kinds of religions like that, and that's an extremist position, I know that. But recognize there's all kinds of religions in the world, even some relig the religion I was brought up with. Believes you need to be saved by grace, through faith, plus works. I mean, what's the difference in religions? Grace through faith plus works. Well, that's a world-oriented, satanic religion. And so we see the whole thing is in darkness. It's demonic darkness. Look with me to, at the book of Acts for a moment, please. So when we see people acting out, you think, what in the world is going on? They are acting, the Lord Jesus told the disciples, I mean, told the Pharisees, you do the work of your father, the devil. So that's what the world's doing. They're doing the work of their father, the devil. And until or unless they're born again, and that takes a work of God, doesn't it? Until unless they're born again, unless they believe in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will continue in darkness. Paul said in the book of Acts, chapter 26, look at verses 17 and 18, God's commission for Paul. And if there's anyone that recognized the battle, it was Paul, was it not? He even battled his, in his own flesh. He said, I received the messenger of Satan and buffered me. And Paul went through life with this, what appears to be some kind of terrible eye problem. He went through that, the whole, his whole life, or the latter part of his life at least, uh, it, with a terrible eye problem, and he said it was a messenger of Satan. Well, we're in Acts chapter... 26, look at verse 17, uh, the Lord speaking to Paul. He said, to deliver thee from the peoples and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee. Now, if you had the courage to be in my, uh, my Monday night class for the past three years, we've been looking at this. Uh, Paul, in all his travels, was constantly satanically bombarded by different groups to the point of being killed. And then he says in the book of Galatians, I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ in my body. The battle that goes on. So God said, I'm delivering you from the, uh, from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I'm sending you. Now pick it up in verse 18. To open their eyes 
and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. So, so we see the world is really in darkness, a state of darkness. So when they do these things, what kind of things, whatever the world's doing out there, it's to be expected. It does not mean we honor it. It does not mean that we like it. It does not mean we enjoy it. But dark people with blindness do dark things. And every once in a while, there'll be a little bit of light, and that's just to draw you in, you see. It's just to draw you into their ways. So what do we expect? Well, you and I need to recognize that there are two diametrically, diametrically um, kingdoms that are going on in the world today. It's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Now, our God is sovereign. We started off with that, and we're going to end with that. Our God is sovereign. He's sovereign over all things. We need not fear. He knows the end from the beginning. But we need to recognize this darkness versus light, this evil versus righteousness, this depravity versus holiness. And so that what we see today, what we view around us, is all part of that battle. But God is sovereign in the whole things. As a matter of fact, if you read through the book of the Revelation, we win. We win. It's a great thing. Now, that does not mean the battle's going to be easy, but that's why God tells us to be strengthened with all might by his spirit in the inner man, because the battle is sure. The battle is sure. You say, well, you don't understand how hard it is for me. Listen, go back to the first century. Go back to the first century. How hard was it for those folks? Today, my understanding is I don't have figures and I don't have all the facts here, but my understanding is in the world today, there is a greater percentage of Christians being killed. I mean, there's a greater number of Christians being killed in the world today for their faith. Whether that's true exactly or not, I don't know. Some organizations pump up these numbers, so you'll send them their checks. But um, whether it's true or not exactly, I don't know. But what I do know is that Christians are being martyred today. And we sit in the, in the United States of America and we say, we're being persecuted. They don't like us. Listen, let's pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Let's be strengthened. I heard a guy say just the other day, I was listening to him, and he said, it's time to put on our big boy pants. And it's true, isn't it? Why? Because the war is on, and we recognize it. And when Paul talked to Timothy, he didn't say, just get ready for a little battle. He said, you're a soldier, get ready for warfare. Get ready for it. A soldier doesn't entangle himself in the things of this world. So we want to look at this a little bit if we can. Everything is under the sovereign hand of God. What happens to us? Well, in James chapter 1, for example, the testing of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire, lacking nothing. So God lets us know whatever comes into your life filters down through the hands of a holy God. You don't like it sometimes, I don't like it sometimes, but it comes through the hands of God, and what's God doing with that? He's trying to cause you to grow in Christ Jesus. He's, he's fitting you to, into the image of his son, conforming you into the image of his son. And some things at times are difficult in our lives, we recognize that, but that's what he's doing. We have, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment, please. Hebrews chapter 4. 
He knows the end from the beginning. We can go to him in prayer. We, our prayer goes directly into the throne room of God, and he knows our need. So we have a battle, light versus darkness. But God's, the light of God's word shines in our eyes to give us that glorious assurance of God. We're in Hebrews chapter 4. You know this uh, very well, but look with me, please, just for a moment at verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Now, I'm reading from a modified King James Bible here. He says, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, God sees it all. God knows it all. God recognizes it all. Everything is open to him. He knows it all. Seeing then, because of this, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. We have that strength in him. He's a high priest. He knows what's going on. Notice, if we don't have a high priest, this isn't a man. This isn't someone who's weak in his character. This isn't someone who we can rely upon sometimes or can't rely upon others. We have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Was in all points tempted or tested like as unto us, yet outside of, literally, without sin, outside of sin. Yes, he was tempted. Remember, temptation is the invitation to sin. He was invited to sin by the devil himself. And he was beyond it. Why? Because he's God, fully God, co-equal, co-existent with the Father. To show us that he knows exactly what we go through. So we can have that strength. Now, I want to read a couple of passages to you. You know these passages very well. But they're so encouraging to me. A few weeks back, remember we looked at 2 Peter, and we looked at Lot. What happened to Lot? He was worn down. He was dragged down by the, the era of the wicked in Sodom, a, a, a horrible place, a, a filthy place, a disgusting place, and, and uh, Lot was in there. It appears as if he may have been a town representative. He may have been a town representative. And why do we say that we was at the gate when the angels came? And the gates of a city were usually the place of uh, where the town officials would be. So whether or not he was, I'm not sure. But he was, he was there at the gate uh, when the angels come. And he was, he was exposed to the wickedness of the sinful people and their wicked deeds. Um, and he got worn down by that. And then at the end of that section... God says this, the Lord knows how to deliver the righteous. Sometimes he's got to drag you out of something. Sometimes he's, he dragged Lot out of the city. Two angels grabbed him and pulled he and his family out of the city. Now, wouldn't it have been better if he just listened to God and walked out? Sure it would have. But God knows how to deliver his people. And will deliver his people. Amen. We recognize God is working. He's sovereign. But listen, the scriptures tell us, I'll just read a couple passages to you. These come to my mind. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. God wants us to have strength. 
in, in difficult days before us. One of my favorite passages, I, I say that about every passage when I look into it, but one of my favorite passages in the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's victorious. You say, well, I, I did all this work, and I worked so hard, and, and no one appreciated it, and you could go on and on and on, you know, with we a pity party. Should we have a pity party tonight? Everyone has a sad story to tell, do they not? Every one of us. And yet what? God is victorious over all. Your work is not in vain. If you've served the Lord, then your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you served your flesh, you're going to get awful disappointed. I'll disappoint you. You'll disappoint me. We'll all be disappointed in one another. Why? It's flesh. That's what happens. But in the spirit, God rewards. I'll just read Hebrew chapter 12 to you, verses 1 through 3. Consider him, that is the Lord Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we become weary and faint in our minds. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ, see. If you're not thinking on him, you're going to become weary. It's, it's natural. It's not a good thing, but it's natural to become weary. Why? Because of our fallen, our fallen nature. Be careful. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered unto the saints and do minister. Recognize that though we live in a world of darkness, we have the glorious light of Christ, and we have the Spirit of God giving us the strength of God. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Another passage, we're strengthened with all might by his spirit in the inner man. So we can have victory over this dark world. No matter what happens, God has given us the strength. But realize it's dark and realize it's there. If you deny that, or if you try to circumvent that in some way, you're just going to bang your head against the stones. You don't want to do Recognize who God is and live for his glory and for his honor. And where, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. You say, well, those people I work with, they don't love me. Well, I do. I love you. Who cares about them, right? Let's recognize that as brethren in Christ, we come here to get our strength, don't we? Our spiritual gifts, we uplift one another. We encourage one another. For what purpose? To go out there. To go out there. The battle's on, is it not? What's unfortunate is sometimes the battle's on in here. This isn't the place to battle, right? This is the place that we stand for Christ together. And that's why it's such a, it's a heartbreaking thing when you see brethren who did, they, eh, oh, I can come every once in a while. No, 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 no. You see, You've capitulated the minute you do that. You need to be with us all the time. And it's not because I get more money for saying this. Do I? Where's Dave? Do I? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Listen, we meet together for strength, for spiritual strength. And that's what God tells us as we, as we hear our pastor teach, 
as we hear the word of God proclaimed and sung, we grow in Christ. And as we grow in Christ, we have that spiritual strength. For what? To live in this world. Because it's a world of obviously that's filled with darkness. So there's a spiritual battle going on. And it's important for us to realize that Satan is going to work in this world. But God says, I have the strings. God has the strings, right? Satan is a puppet in the hands of God. And I want to show you a couple of passages. May I do that? Just to show you that God is not defeated. God does not get caught off guard, if you would. God is using Satan to accomplish his will on earth. Let's, let's go, please, to John chapter 6 for a moment. John chapter 6. We'll start back in the book of John, and you probably will be able to think of many, many other passages in John chapter 6. Look with me, please, for a moment at John chapter 6, and, well, let's go to verse 70, John 6 and verse uh, 70. Je Jesus is speaking, of course, to his disciples, and he says, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a demon or devil? What? Lord, I thought you knew the end from the beginning. I thought you knew what was going on. Well, he says, I do. I've chosen 12, but I've chosen one of you that is satanically represented here. Now think about that. Right from the beginning of his three-year ministry, he knew that um, the zealot was demonically possessed or at least demonically controlled, right from the beginning of time. Why? He said, I have a job to do, and he's going to be the one that's going to sell me for 30 pieces of silver. Now, did Jesus just come up with that? No, no, no. You've you got to look back in the Old Testament, right? Prophesy exactly what's going to happen. Have I not chosen you 12 and one of you? is a devil. Turn, look with me at chapter 13, please, in verse 2. 13.2. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knew it right from the start. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, and now, the, the, if you would, the, the flow of this is, is headed uh, downhill. Look at verse 27, same chapter, 13.27. 13:27, And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, What you do, do quickly. Now, in my study of the Synoptic Gospels, it appears to me that Satan entered into him more than once. But you'd have to trace that through yourselves. But it appears that he entered into him more than once. He came and possessed him on a couple of different occasions. But follow chapter... Uh, 17 with me, chapter 17 and verse 12. God uses Satan to accomplish his will. In John chapter 17 and verse 12, while I was with them in the world, this is his high priestly prayer to his father, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. See, God used Satan to accomplish his will, to fulfill the scriptures. And so Satan is, is the prince of this world. 
He's the, if you would, he's the power of darkness in this world. But God's using him. God's using him to accomplish his will. And we sometimes can get frightened by what's going on. You know, well, those poor people, they're hungry. That's why they're acting out. You could almost convince me of that if they didn't smash a store window, run by the baby food, and grab a 60-inch television. But that's what they do. Why? Their hearts, see. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Why people are sinning is because they're sinners. They're sinners right from the start. Darkness. Now you say, well, look at the, the devil seems to be winning. He's not winning at all. He's, not, he's being used of God to accomplish God's will. And we need to just stand and shine as lights in this darkness. Let's look at a couple more passages if we could. Turn with me um, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. A very familiar passage to you again in 2 Corinthians. Uh, Corinthians chapter 12. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I mentioned this passage before, but look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This comes right after Paul uh, having apparently gone to glory. And he, he's, he tells us he's not sure whether it was bodily and he stood there or whether it was uh, uh, physically, I mean uh, just mentally, spiritually, and he stood before the Lord, but he received revelation uh, that it just, uh, he said, I cannot share with you. It's just, in, most of it was incredible. But what happens to him? He says in verse, picking it up in, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He felt it. This was a painful thing to him. It, he was buffeted by this. He, he recognized what went on. The term is uh, a thorn in the flesh. It's a, a stake, a, a, a shaft. Something affected his eyes apparently terribly. But notice what happened. He knew that the Lord allowed it into his life. He recognized the Lord allowed it because he's the one that wrote the book of Philippians, the book of Ephesians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knew that everything that came into his life passed through the will of God and the, uh, and the word of God. So he recognized that God allowed this in his life for a purpose, to cause him literally not to be uh, exalted above measure. He's the one that wrote Timothy about pride, is he not? Be careful, Timothy, about pride. So we recognize that God has used Satan for his purposes. Turn with me, please, to uh, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. If something comes into our life, if something comes into our, uh, into our uh, pathway, if you would, we can recognize that God's doing something. You say, well, this is a person who's, who... Uh, who is uh, just bothering me or, or they're interfering with my life and God is doing something that we need to realize. God is going to use that for his purposes. He wants first to cause you to grow. He wants to uh, show you to rely upon him 
And usually it's for other people to observe. Usually it's for other people to observe. How will you handle this? It's easy to talk to your unsaved friends about Christ when everything's going fine. See? So God can use these things. He used in the church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very, very early, very, very new church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know this, of course, in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And a certain man named uh, Ananias with his with Sapphira, his wife, sold the possession of land. Now, you know this story well, so I'm just going to skip through it. People were actually selling parcels of land and giving it to the apostles so they could distribute it among the poor, among those who had needs. And Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a portion of land. And apparently, I say apparently because the context seems to indicate that, they told the apostles, we sold this land for $10,000. But in reality, they had sold the land for $20,000. And they kept back $10,000 for themselves. Now, it was their property. They could have done what they wanted. They didn't have to give $10,000. They could have given $2,000 or $1,000. And by the way, you know they didn't sell it for $10,000. Just allow me this thing here. So what happened? They kept back a part of it. In verse 2, and he kept back a part of the price, his wife also knowing of it. So they're in cahoots. They're a, they're a team here of iniquity. And they brought it to the apostles, and Peter speaks up. This is wonderful in verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie unto the Holy Spirit and to keep back a part of the price of the land? While it remained, in, uh, was it not thine own? And after you sold it, was it not in thine own power? You could have kept the whole thing or given just a small percentage of it. He says, why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these things, uh, these words, fell down and died. And great fear came upon all them that, uh, that heard these things. And, of course, his wife followed suit. God allowed Satan to penetrate this couple to purge his church. That's all you could say, right? Read down, if you would, in verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Verse uh, 12, and by the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So the church began to grow, but they, they had a steadfast uh, respect and fear of who God is. He used Satan to purge his church. No, you may have done it differently, but your way would have been wrong. God purged his church using Satan. See, Satan isn't out there not under God's control. God is using Satan to accomplish his perfect will. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 1. God purges the church using the devil himself. So the devil is a puppet on strings, and God's the one pulling the strings. Remember in the nation of Israel, for example, when, when God had them in captivity because of their own sinfulness, they were in Egypt. And they stayed in Egypt for a number of years, 400 years. Why? Because God said, 
the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. But it will be. And when it's filled, I'm going to bring you into the land to judge the land. And so that same process happens in the world. God knows the timing, knows the the place, knows when, if you would, and he is using Satan up to this point. Look, if you would, please, at, I, I had you turn to 1 Timothy 1. Uh, look at verse, verses 19 and 20 of 1 Timothy 1, please. 1 Timothy 1, 19. Paul uh, charges Timothy in verse 18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that continually pointed toward you, that by them you might war a good warfare. Literally, keep on fighting, Timothy. Verse 19. Holding the faith in a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. And then Paul says, Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Delivered over to the power of Satan. God is using Satan in first century churches and uh, more than likely in our day as well. Using Satan to accomplish his will. One, one more passage on that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5. You know this as well. You say, well, I know a Christian and they did such and so or they were involved in such and such. And Okay, we, we recognize some of that is true. Um, we always have to be careful of our judgment because our judgment isn't always as pure as we'd like it to be. But in this case, there was a young man, and he was involved in sin, and apparently with his stepmother. Well, at any rate, this illicit affair, Paul got word of this, and he sent a letter to the Corinthians, and he said, you need to make sure that you are very, very careful here, and I want you to get that man out from among you. And we see in 1 Corinthians 1 and in verse 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan, 1 Corinthians 5, I'm sorry, in verse 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. So again, Satan is used by the Lord. Deliver that person to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Apparently he was a believer. You see that from the, from the passage. That is spirit. His soul, spirit may be saved. But Satan is literally going to destroy his body. We have Satan destroying, uh, allowing, uh, God allowing Satan to destroy Cain. I mean, Abel. He possessed Cain and he killed Abel. You say, well, that doesn't seem right. It was right. Why? Because God did it. And he does, shall not the king of all the earth do right. He does everything right. We do not understand it. I do not understand what's going on in the world today. When we shake our head and say, what on earth is going on? We don't completely understand it, but we can rely upon the fact that our God is sovereign. Now, a couple quick verses, if you would. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. One day, Satan is going to be removed from his position. That is, he will be kicked out of, he's, now he's the prince of the power of the heirs. He, he, he's allowed to maneuver 
within the unseen realm of the heavens and the earth. But one day, he's going to be kicked out of earth, if you will, out of the heavens, and he's going to have to remain on earth. Now, to make a long story very, very short, it appears at that time, and this is right dead in the middle of the Great Tribulation period, uh, uh, three and a half years in, at that moment, Satan is kicked out of the heavens, and we'll see that in a moment, and he indwells the person that we know to be Antichrist. That's why Antichrist, he has a, a, a wound, and his deadly wound is healed. And he's allowed to continue for three and a half years. So it seems right in the middle of the tribulation period is when this battle takes place in Revelation chapter 12. Look, if you would, at verse 7. <clears throat> and there was a war in heaven. Revelation 12, 7. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was there any place, was there place found any more in heaven. So he's, he's now relegated to the earth. He would have to take a southwest airlines to get somewhere. He no longer can travel, but he's restricted to planet earth, okay? And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. He was cast unto the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Might I remind you, this is in the middle of the tribulation period. And what did God say about him? He deceived who? The whole world, the whole planet. The whole thing from top to bottom. Say, well, there's a lot of good in this world. No, there isn't. The only good thing is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we his followers. It's the only good thing. And the only time we do good things is in his power, right? <laughs> Christ in you, that hope of glory. That's the only thing, time we... Now, we may do admirable things for fellow people, but those are not works of righteousness. That's just being a human being, that's all. But recognize this. Now, continue on, please. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who accused them before our God day and night. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the enemy of the Christian. He's the power of darkness. But we've been translated into the kingdom of light. So we have that ability to stand. And recognize, though it seems to us, as we look at it, Satan has won a victory. No, he hasn't. He's being used of God to accomplish the perfect will of God. What's your job? What's my job? Well, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And not to be worried, if you would, about what's going on. Yes, we need to vote, and you can write people if you want. You do anything you can to, to, uh, you know, we're, to be a good citizen, if you would, of the United States of America. But recognize this, that we have a greater citizenship. We have a different place. There's an old song. We don't sing it, but this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me. That's what we need to look at. That God's word gives us that blessed hope. And so as we look around us, 
You say, I wonder what's going to happen to America. Well, that's in God's hands. What we need to do is, what's going to happen to me? I need to walk in the power of his might. I need to put on the whole armor of God that I might be able to stand. And if you don't think it's coming, read that section of the book of Ephesians. To withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. So what on earth is going on? I hope you've uh, just got a little glimpse of this uh, and been encouraged by it. Uh, I certainly have because I was looking around me, and you know, I must admit to you, I started getting a little shaken. Started getting a little shaking. But then when you go back to the Word of God, there's not a thing to shake about in this world. Our God is victorious. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And one day... He'll be crowned with glory and we'll be there. Isn't that a great thing? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your, for your word, that word that encourages our soul. Father, we know we have a job to do here on earth, and that's to represent the king. We are to walk worthy of the vocation to which we are called. We need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Father, we confess that sometimes we try to take on the world Sometimes we try to fix things, and we know nothing can be done except through your strength. So, Father, help us not to uh, become puppets in politics. Help us not to become uh, so caught up with the things that are round about us that we lose uh, this truth of your word, that we lose faith in you. Father, help us to believe you. Lord, we know it's time for us to man up. It's time for us to put on that armor. It's time for us not to be caught up with the things of this world. As we see the day approaching, we rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ. We recognize we are not victims, but victors in this present age. So, Father, as you use Satan to accomplish your will, one day, one day we'll stand before you. One day we'll see him cast into the bottomless pit into the lake of fire that burns with brimstone, where the false prophet and the beast will be, and those who reject Messiah Jesus, they'll be in torment forever and ever. Father, thank you. Help us, Lord, to honor the, our Lord Jesus Christ with all our life, with our body, soul, and spirit, because we were bought with a price, and they belong to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.